District Sentinel Radio here, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. Joined by Harper the Good Girl. We're broadcasting out of the Citizen Capital Studios in Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Word is in. Showdown between the big boys. Trump and Kim Jong-un summit will be in Singapore on June 12th. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Is it going to be on pay-per-view? <laughs> Should not be. I'm guessing there'll be uh, the world's media on display there as well. You know Trump cares about the ratings, though. Yes, yes. Uh, he mentioned it last night at 2 in the morning when he was bringing those hostages back. I will say, assuming this works out, and some deal struck, and it might not. Like, this could be all a show and nothing could come of this. That's actually probably where the odds are. But I would say if this does work out, this would be a huge foreign policy accomplishment that there's no reason Barack Obama couldn't have accomplished this. Obama had the secret weapon of Dennis Rodman at the time, too, that he did. I certainly criticize President Obama for not utilizing Dennis Rodman, though I will note that the brunt of this effort, of course, falls on the South Koreans, not Donald Trump. Yes. And President Moon Jae-in was not the elected. New the new yeah. president. He wasn't elected in, uh, to office until uh, spring of 2017. So That's a good point. Yeah. I, I, I think to the extent Trump deserves praise here, it's for staying out of the South Koreans' way, uh, though we'll see, I guess, uh, in the coming weeks and months what, the only what thing kind I of would, personal touch yeah, Trump has put on yeah, this. The only thing I would, hello, Harper, the only thing I would praise Trump on here is, yes, most of the heavy lifting is clearly being done by the South Korean government and Kim Jong-un and his, his government. I will credit Trump for defying foreign policy groupthink that you can't have direct talks with North Korea or other bad people on the world stage, which this administration is defying, which Obama wouldn't defy, except he, he did with Iran, but he wouldn't do it with North Korea. And even with Iran, I guess there was like one letter between Rouhani and Obama. There was never the sit-down, face-to-face talk there was talks that they might at one UN meeting, but I don't think it ever happened. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Trump doesn't seem to be afraid of appearing in public, which even when Obama did with Raul Castro, if you'll recall, yeah. he was very nervous about the the photo of him and Raul Castro. Yeah. I will also note that- People might dismiss that as optics, but I think it's actually important it is to important. be sitting face-to-face with other world leaders. It is important to say, oh, I'm, I'm not so goddamn embarrassed that I can't even be seen in a photograph with this guy. Yeah. Uh, but one last thing on this, which I will note, is the timing of the John Bolton appointment scares me, and also what Bolton said about following the Libya model. <laughs> uh, this could all be a ruse. Before we get into the newscast, just a reminder, subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash district sentinel. Five bucks a month gets you access to bonus content, interviews with activists and journalists and other people, sometimes in the news. Also, our once a week sentinel cast. We got one coming out tomorrow. We're going to be talking about Michael Cohen, which should be a fun, fun episode. Yeah, we're going to be talking with the hell dude. Yes. You might know him as saying things like, I'm the hell dude, Tarek, uh, from Mike Dicta, 
the best named legal podcast at mentions on Twitter. So head over to patreon.com slash district sentinel and help support your DC based news co-op. It's Thursday, May 10th, 2018. Here's the news. <laughs> Ask not for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for net neutrality. Mm. The FCC's weakening of the key internet rule is set to take effect on June 11th. That's according to an announcement today from the commission itself. FCC Chair Ajit Pai, a man known for links to the telecoms industry and sometimes wearing ill-fitting suits, had this to say. The enactment of the new rules ends, quote, heavy-handed utility-style regulation of broadband internet access service. Now, Pai is actually being sort of honest for once. He's referring to the 2015 decision by Obama's FCC to regulate internet service providers as common carriers rather than information services. That allowed the commission to regulate ISPs like utilities, such as a phone company. And why the hell should it be any other way? It's 2018. Internet service is uh, kind of necessary for day-to-day life these days. How can you post without internet service? <laughs> To take a person's right to post is to take their right to life, if you think about it. And I do think about it like I, that. I, I mean, was it not Descartes who once said, I think, therefore I am? And what is that embodied in the, 20, in the 21st century, if not posting? Yes. Is it, I think, therefore I post, or I post, therefore I am? It's definitely, I post, therefore I am. Or I guess it could be, I think, therefore I post, <laughs> I post, therefore I am. <laughs> At any rate, under the common carrier standard, ISPs were explicitly banned from prioritizing content, which is the whole point of net neutrality, to treat all internet traffic equally. ISPs were also subject to stricter reporting requirements about their activities under the previous standard. And again, those rules will no longer be in force next month. Quite a moment today in the Senate involving one Joe Manchin. You know, listeners of the show understand that we watch MSNBC too much, or I do at least, in the Sentinel newsroom. And MSNBC has these really shitty promos now about, like, this is why you watch. And it's... Brian Williams saying something stupid or uh, someone making a joke as they're handing it off to another show or something like that. They're really dumb. But moments like today are why I watch C-SPAN and hearings where you get Joe Manchin. This is during a hearing with Secretary of Health and Human Services, Alex Azar. He's there appearing before a Senate Appropriations Committee to talk about the budget. And Joe Manchin launches into this line of questioning. People say, well, how come I can order drugs from Canada and get them so much cheaper? Why are the drugs so expensive? Why are pharmaceuticals charging so much? Uh, Why are drugs protected for such a long period of time before they're able to be sold as cheaper generic drugs? Would you say, Secretary, that, that a lot of the pricing in America being some of the highest cost in the world as far as for life-saving drugs and drugs that are needed for quality of, of care for people, is it because of the pricing, the way we sell it, the way we get it to market? Now, let's stop it right there. We'll get into Secretary Azar's batshit response, which is newsworthy in itself. But why the fuck is Joe Manchin asking Alex Azar about high drug prices? He should be asking his own daughter 
Heather Brash, CEO of Mylan, which bought the rights to life-saving allergy drug EpiPen and immediately jacked up its price from $100 to $600. Remember that scandal back in 2016? God damn, do I remember it. Yeah. At the time, Manchin committed himself to ignorance. He told Bloomberg, quote, it's so convoluted, I don't understand. To get into something you don't understand and your daughter being in this type of industry, it was best I stayed away. (laughs) Yes, Senator, best you just stayed away until now, at least, when you teed up Alex Azar to go on this Reagan-esque screed against socialized medicine. So I, I don't believe it's the selling and marketing of how of, is the reason. It's basically government structures and payer systems. And what happens in the United States, some of our plans and some of our approaches actually drive as good or better deals than some of the socialist systems abroad. And then within other parts of programs and for other medicines, foreign government socialist single payer systems get a better deal. Now, often that deal comes at the cost of rationing and access and patients who are suffering from cancer or HIV AIDS or MS or rheumatoid arthritis, they can't get access to the medicines that you can here in the United States because that's exactly what the socialist systems do. So it's, it is a balance. <laughs> that's exactly what the socialist systems do. They stack the bodies of people with cancer and AIDS. When I when I lived in Canada, the uh, the waiting time was for elective procedures. That's what the long waiting time is for. If you need like a knee surgery, yeah, you'd see like articles in the CBC about like long waits for like knee surgeries in Ontario. You wouldn't see like people dying in the yeah. streets of fucking cancer. According to the Canadian Institute for Health Information, ninety-seven percent of citizens receive prompt radiation treatment within the one-month benchmark established by the government. Meanwhile, several studies unmentioned by Azar show that tens of thousands of Americans die every year due to their lack of health insurance. Despite spending thousands of dollars per capita more in health care expenditures than other countries with advanced economies, the U.S. ranks, according to the OECD, at the bottom or near it in life expectancy, available hospital beds, deaths from preventable diseases, health care coverage rates, So how did Mr. Azar get this gig? He doesn't seem to know shit. Oh, yes, he's a former drug company executive. Some Republicans with moderate views on immigration are turning up the heat on Paul Ryan. 18 members of Ryan's caucus have signed a discharge petition seeking to force a vote on the DREAM Act. If seven more Republicans and all Democrats sign on, the lawmakers can force a vote. Here was Speaker Ryan today trying to throw cold water on the push. Clear to us that we're going to have to have a bill that's going to be bipartisan, but one that the president can support. So that's what we're working on right now, is what is a, a bill that deals with DACA and deals with all the security other issues that can get some Democrats and get a presidential signature. Going down a path and having some kind of a spectacle on the floor that just results in a veto doesn't solve a problem. Of course, Paul Ryan hates floor spectacles that can only end in a veto. That's why he voted like 8,000 times to repeal Obamacare while President Obama was in office and why he voted like 7,000 times to create a national Benghazi day. Would that be on (laughs) 9-11? It was the real 9-11, Sam. Joking aside, if the House does force a vote on the DREAM Act and passes it, there needn't be a presidential veto for the legislation to die. Paul Ryan can breathe easy. 
In February, the Senate brought up four immigration proposals, including two with bipartisan support, and one by one, they all failed. Update on Gina Haspel's nomination to head up the CIA. She left quite a few Democratic senators unimpressed after a confirmation hearing on Wednesday. Day later, Senator Dianne Feinstein said she'd oppose Haspel. Joining her in opposition are committee members Martin Heinrich, Kamala Harris, and Angus King. You know, if Democrats stayed united on this, the nomination would be defeated because Rand Paul opposes her and McCain's got cancer and can't be in the Senate right now. And he also said he would oppose her. He would oppose Haspel, So even if he was here, he would oppose her. So actually the cancer serves us right for making all those cancer owns, or does it? I don't know what's at work here, but McCain opposes Haspel. This is all, of course, assuming that Rand Paul doesn't flip like he did on Pompeo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is also assuming no Democrat comes out in support of Haspel. So cue Joe Manchin. That's right. Joe Manchin making his second appearance on the show, became the first Democrat to announce he would support Haspel. Why even be surprised at this point? I do, however, want to play a clip from Wednesday's confirmation hearing with Haspel because we played a few of these clips on the show yesterday. There was some some interesting audio, but we didn't play this clip because I didn't know that Joe Manchin was going to come out right afterward and say he would vote for Haspel. So, uh, Anyways, Manchin sits on the Intelligence Committee. He got a chance to question the nominee. Let's see how Joe used his time. This is going to be bad. Let me ask the first, what uh, what was your thoughts and greatest concerns for the United States of America after the 9-11 attack? I think for probably every American, it was also surreal. But what I was very worried about, and we weren't wrong about this, is that other attacks were being planned. We didn't know these attacks were coming, and it was very important to identify who had it, who was behind these attacks and stop future attacks. I, I think back on that day, and I remember it very vividly as if it was just happening this morning, but I remember that the only thing I cared about, first of all, my first thought was anybody in my family harmed that day. Next of all, anyone I might have known or related to or thought about or had acquaintances with. Next of all, my final thought was, was any other Americans harmed? That's all I cared about. How, what, what was this doing and what, what mammoth? I thought about history, uh, Pearl Harbor. Uh, how did we react as a nation after Pearl Harbor? I remember the uh, cruel and unusual internment of Japanese Americans. And we've never gone down that road again. And our thought process would have been there. But let me go another step further. Uh, after 9-11, had any laws or rules for say procedure changed because of the attacks uh, uh, of those attacks. Any, and do we change any procedures after that? You're saying you would never do it now. You said you would say no to the president because that's not where we're going. That's not where you want the CIA to be. Uh, were those changed after that? Uh, well, uh, Senator, I'm not sure I, I understand exactly. Yeah, of course you don't. None of us understand what the fuck you're talking about right now, Joe Manchin, who's just sort of rambling about 9-11 and then trying to read a question his staffer put to, but doesn't understand the question he's asking. To be fair, this all happened on Wednesday, the day after Manchin won the primary in West Virginia, so he might have had a late night or something, but I don't even know why he's on this committee, to be honest. Just a reminder to voters that Joe's really bad at his job. When I get whiny liberals in my Minchies talking about things like, oh, would you rather Joe Manchin lose to a Republican? 
Honestly, I'm not sure I give a shit at this point. That's the newscast. Sorry, I definitely don't give a shit at this point. <laughs> Before we go, let's check out the old rant line. See what the callers are saying. Hello, Sam. Hello, Sam. And fuck you, internate. This is NBC's Doc Emmerich for a preview of the Eastern Conference Final for the District Sentinel. In one corner, we have the Tampa Bay Lightning, headed by Stephen Samkos and Nikita Kucherov. In the other, the Washington Capitals, a team that blasted past the defending Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins and are now currently riddled with injuries with Nicholas Backstrom, their star center on the sidelines. However, injuries may be playing to the Capitals' advantage. The rotting corpse of one Barbara Bush, the former first lady, seems to be helping the Capitals. The curse of the of the beloved witch helps them win in six games against the Pittsburgh Penguins, and hopefully her corpse can help them rocket to the Stanley Cup final. Add Mr. Uh, Emmerich to the list of uh, celebrity call-ins. You know, to be sure, it's Doc Emmerich. Actually, I want to hear him yell, He scores! <laughs> Hello, boys. It's your pal, Old Jorts Authority, watching the cherry blossoms fall. Springtime's here. The colors have changed. You know, it came a little late, but here we are, and I'm still engaging in some self-care, as I still have three days left on my Twitter ban. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I just wanted to call in because I don't know if you know this, but your boy George is uh, born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. And hey, uh, yeah, all of the sports teams there used to be the, you know, the Phoenix Suns, the Phoenix Cardinals, and the Phoenix Coyotes, which everybody keeps uh, pronouncing uh, real fucking weird. But uh, down there we call them Coyotes. All right, well, anyway, those three teams all uh, at different periods changed their name to the Arizona whatever. So we have the, I think the Phoenix Suns are the only holdouts. But uh, but all the other sports teams, the Arizona Diamondbacks, Arizona Coyotes, Arizona Cardinals, and hey, I just gotta say, it's in Arizona, and that's fucking uh, weird to me, because um, Phoenix is literally the only city in the entire state that is large enough to have a stadium. So uh, being being inclusive of all those other shittier places to live, the only cool place to live in Phoenix is Flagstaff. Shout out to Flagstaff. What up? What up, y'all? Uh, but fucking Phoenix sucks ass. Fucking who cares what we call the shitty teams? We all suck and we lose all the time anyway. Shout out to the uh, 93 Sun, Charles Barkley. Yeah, hell yeah. Fucking games, games. Yeah, we talk about this all the time. Anyways, but fuck me. Uh, I'm going to go drown myself in some haagen even though I'm lactose intolerant. I've heard Tucson is okay, but maybe I haven't actually heard Tucson is okay because maybe Tucson isn't okay. But I don't know really that much about Arizona, the way it into intra-Arizona beef. So feel free to weigh in on the rant line. Solidarity with George on eating ice cream despite being lactose intolerant. Hey, Sams. It's Leo. Of course, when I called yesterday to complain about not being able to write my own Patreon haiku... I had not yet actually written a Patreon haiku. Uh, Maybe I was too excited at the idea of being published on your platform to have uh, done the work in the first place. Uh, So I've written my little poem, and uh, as penance for my vanity, 
I've made it an advertisement for the bonus content that Patreon subscribers to the show can look forward to. All right, enough preamble. Here we go. Big Naturals, Piss, these are lost leaders. For five bucks, Harper speaks. Okay, hopefully that will juice some subscriptions for you. While I'm here, I I just want to say I really enjoyed Harper's analysis of that awful Barry Weiss intellectual dark web piece in the New York (laughs) Times. Really shrewd stuff, Harper. Really good. Good dog. Keep it up. Well, Leo, thanks for the uh, haiku. Told you we'd give you the platform. I'll tell you what, we're not even going to count the syllables to make sure it was right. Shit. God damn it, you guys. I I fucked it up. That wasn't even a proper haiku. It was one syllable short. (laughs) I made a big deal about getting my haiku, and, and then I broke the only rule of haikus. Also, also, haikus is not even a fucking word because the plural form of haiku is haiku. I mean, fuck. There, you know, there, that's my missing syllable. Just fuck. <laughs> Thank you for the additional syllable, Leo. Yeah, better luck next time. Hey, uh, this is Jeremy from New Jersey, and, uh, after Sam made his joke about uh, Mitch McQuaylude, I decided to uh, Google Quaaludes, and fun fact, the first picture that comes up is Bill Cosby. And that's really all I have. Ooh. That's, that's really dark. Yeah, uh, that's grim. All right, a uh, couple more calls here. Hi, this is uh, a District Sentinel piss correspondent, Macho Man Rand Paul's <laughs> neighbor, uh, here to answer the question, and does drinking pee dehydrate you? or give you the courage of the person who's pee you're drinking? Uh, first of all, that's a kind of a weird question. Um, gaining courage is not the opposite of dehydration. Both things can happen at the same time. Uh, so I'll try to answer it uh, as best I can. Uh, first of all, drinking piss will dehydrate you. Uh, just treat it like a Coca-Cola. It's a nice treat to have once in a while, but don't drink too much of it. Like eight to 12 ounces of pee per day should be plenty. Um, and drinking pee doesn't, like, it doesn't have magical properties, you know? It's just a fun thing to do with a consenting partner. Um, you, you won't gain their courage per se, but you will gain the courage to further explore your sexuality, which feels like magic, that bond, you know? So anyway, once again, any piss-related questions you might have, send them to <laughs> Macho Man Rampal's neighbor. Uh, this is a District Sentinel piss correspondent, Macho Man Rampal's neighbor, signing off. Good night and good luck. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to sex shame or anything, but the pee content might be getting out of hand at some point. I just feel like we're not providing enough safety tips. All right, one last call. Congratulations to intern Nate on his new job as head dork at the Nerd Factory. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's not even here to defend himself. He's got to uh, run it by HR to see if he can be on the show. (laughs) (laughs) 
What a nerd. Call the rant line 202-684-6108. Sponsors of the show include the Congressional Dish podcast hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com and other sponsor levelnews.org. And Citizen Capital. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Tune in by searching for District Sentinel Radio. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Tell your friends to listen. The newscast returns Monday. Patreon subscribers, you'll hear from us on Friday for the Sentinel cast. We're in D.C., so you don't have to be.